Well, it's Pastor Rick, and I'm glad you're with us today on Father's Day. We're going to celebrate dads today. I have a great message for you about fathers. You know, fathering is a fascinating experience. I have uh, been doing it for a long time. And so I want you to learn some things with me as we look at a dad in the Bible who had some challenges with his children, but he rose above it. I have a great word that will bless you today. Stay with us right here on demand and enjoy a message about dads today. It's going to really be a blessing. Stay there. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today. You know, fathering is a very unique skill. It really is. I've been a father for almost 40 years, and I'm telling you, in that season, I've learned a lot. My oldest son has taught me a lot. My daughter has taught me a lot. And there's something about that experience. Now, when you're a father, uh, you dream that everything is going to be perfect, right? You have the little babies, and they grow up, and you go, man, I can't wait to have a son. I can't wait to have a daughter, and it's going to be great. And it is great sometimes. But there are times it becomes like a nightmare. Are you saying you have nightmare kids? No, no. I'm saying that sometimes the dream of being a father can turn into a nightmare because the expectations are so different than what you experience. And I thought it'd be fun to take you to a story in a Bible where a guy had a son and it became a nightmare. It's a famous story. You heard it, heard it many times. It's called the prodigal son. And the word prodigal means wasteful. What was painful for this father was he saw his son waste his life. And when you watch your kids waste themselves, waste opportunity, waste their lives, waste time, it can be painful. The question is, how do you respond to that? And there are some of you, if you're really honest, you were the wasteful child. You were the prodigal son or daughter. You were the one who wasted too much time dating this person, going off on tangents, doing drugs, whatever. And then you came to yourself like this guy does in the story. Well, let me show you, if I can, how this father responded to that season. And one of the things as a father you got to remember, it's not about this, it's about this. It's not about right now, it's about the broader season. Your kids are going to grow up, hopefully, right? Your kids are going to see things over time that they don't see today. And I want you to look in this prodigal son story and notice how the father responded. Now, this is amazing. His ability, his attitude, his overall spirit was phenomenal. He was not a guy who allowed himself to get caught up in the moment of frustration, which is a temptation for a dad. Dads are tempted to become irritated and frustrated. Moms, too. I know you're listening in. And it's really easy for you to start somehow assume that your kids are supposed to be perfect right out of the box. And you were not, by the way. You were not, one more time, you were not perfect right out of the box. You learned and you grew, too. And if your kids are with you, the kids can say amen quietly because you know how parents are. I don't say it too loud. Just kind of nod. But there are moments, if you're honest, where you grew and you learned and it took a while. So let me show you a guy who went through this process and what we learned from his life. Luke chapter 15. Here's a guy who shows us how to survive when things go wrong. And they do. They go wrong in a very big way in this family. Luke 15 verse 11. A certain man had two sons. Doesn't say his name. Just a man. He had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall, falls to me. Pause right there. So he says, okay, I want you to give me what's mine. Now, that's really an insult in this culture. That's like saying to your dad, you know, you just, I wish you were dead because I really want what's mine. I really want to get out from under your leadership. I really don't want to be here anymore. I, I, he's got this vision and dream in his mind that he wants to go someplace new, someplace different. So he, he tells his dad, hey, listen, I need you. I need you to give me what's mine. Watch what happens now. The Bible said in verse 12, so he divided to them his, his livelihood. The dad goes along. No argument, 
No, there's no record of him arguing back at all. I'm sure he did, but notice verse 13. And not many days afterward, I mean, not many days after he got the money, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his, the, his possessions with, with prodigal or wasteful living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now, there are a lot of lessons in that. Number one, Imagine what it's like for the father to watch his son go through the house and gather up his stuff and leave. And then imagine what it's like to never not be able to connect with him in any way. And imagine what it's like to know he's going out to waste everything you're giving him. And so there came this moment, though, after the son did all this, that it, it always shows up. Whenever you get excited, whenever you decided to, to just do things, it always has an end date, a famine date. I have a little saying, the famine teaches. There are things you can't teach your kids. There are things you can't teach anybody. This dad knows that, and he has to just wait for the sun to run out, and he knows it's going to run out, and when he runs out, now he's stuck. A famine shows up, and the famine leads him to a place of poverty, and if you read on in the story, there's this incredible place in Luke chapter 15 where it describes him lusting, working in a hog pen. He's a Jewish kid, remember that. Working in a hog pen, cleaning up behind pigs, wanting to even eat the food the pigs is eating because he's so hungry. This is all a season in his life, a famine that teaches him. And some people only learn in famine. As a matter of fact, if we're really honest, a lot of us learn in famine. It's in financial lack that you learn the importance of saving money. It's when you have no friends that you learn the value of being nice to your friends. So here's a guy, and he is in a state of want. Now, he has this great moment. The moment is he comes to himself. He, he says, man, why am, I, why am I here? I need to go back home to my dad and apologize. And so if you read on in Luke chapter 15, that's what he does. But what's amazing is the dad is our focus today, not just the son. Most of the time we focus on the son, but let me show you three amazing strengths that this father demonstrated that I thought were profound. The first thing I want you to notice is he released what he could not control. He released what he could not control. His world is turned upside down. His son is left. He's got one son left at home. He's embarrassed. The community around him knows, but what's interesting is he does not allow himself to get overwhelmed and he releases what he cannot control. See, the need to fight, the need to stop, the need to comment, the need to say something, the need to fix it all up, he doesn't do any of that. He releases it. He didn't feel the need to fight. He didn't feel the need to get into any kind of, let me stop you from going, let me block the door, none of that. He said, hey, you want to go? Uh, I have to release what I cannot control. And for some of you, that's a great revelation. Number two, he waited until a better season came. It's not the time. He's not going to hear me, no matter what I say. There are people that come into your life that you cannot reach. Hear this. Luke 16, 8. I'm sorry. John 16, 8 helped me a lot. You know, it says the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, not me. The Holy Spirit convicts people of what is righteous, not me. I, I don't have that ability. And I, I, I'll share what I can, but I understand, like, this guy, this is not the season. So what was it like to wait for your son with no word for all of that? however long it was. No phone, no cell phone. You just had to wait. You realize you didn't control it, and you just had to wait for a better season, knowing that it was going to come. Let me tell you what time teaches you. It's coming. Hey, listen, ah, listen, don't worry. If he doesn't 
work and won't contribute any money and you know you're just kind of riding on and carrying everything yourself and she she's just whatever eventually whatever what it will show up it all runs out of gas eventually and that's exactly what happened with his son and the father was wise enough to know that and so sometimes the famine has to come sometimes they have to go through a moment of, of challenge and so they waited into a better season he knew he couldn't change it then. And then thirdly, he forgave what his son could not undo. So hear it again. He forgave what his son could not undo. There are three things. Number one, he released what he could not control. Number two, he waited until a better season came along. And then number three, he forgave what his son could not undo. I love this story in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 20. Look at this encounter when the son finally comes back home. Verse uh, 20 of Luke chapter 15. And he arose and came to his father, the son did. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cut him off and said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his, on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be happy, merry. They were partying. He's back. What in a moment, right? This is amazing. Something the son would have never thought. The prodigal son would have never thought, Dad's going to take me back like this. This is a picture of how God responds to us when we come back. It's a great picture, and, and it shows you that sometimes you have to forgive what what, the, what, you can't, what a person can't undo. There are some things you can't undo. And I'll bring some balance to this later on, but I want you to hear this for a minute. There's something about the story that stands out to me. Three things I want you to notice. Number one, in verse 22, he says, basically, bring out the best robe. I want you to let him know he's royal. He's back in the family. He must have looked pretty tacky when he came in. Left out styling and, and profiling, came back bummy and messy. Bring out the robe. He's royal. He's part of the family. Then bring out the ring. He's got authority. We're going to give him back all the money he lost. We're going to give him back everything. We're going to give him the power to sign contracts. This is a guy that's going to put the ring back on. I want him to put on the family ring, championship ring. Then thirdly, I want him to put on some shoes. The Boy, your toes showing. Your toes showing, son. He came back barefoot, dirty, dirty feet, and he just looked a, looked a mess. The Boy, your clothes, look at you. You need some clothes, boy. Look at your hair. You need a haircut. I mean, he's a mess. But daddy says, I'm, I'm going to give it all back to you. Fathers have a power when they use it right to make things right. When your kids are off, wasteful, a little bit distracted, your job is to be like this guy. Now, what's amazing is he didn't fall into certain traps. I like that about him. He models something for me. That makes me go, man, I, I want to be like this guy. Watch, there are four emotional traps that the father avoided. Number one, the responsibility trap. Now, this is the trap where he, he didn't take responsibility for his son's choices. He says, that's not my, I didn't, he, never, he never blamed himself. A lot of parents do that. You blame yourself for what your kids do or don't do. You blame yourself for what your kids become or don't become. You feel as if somehow you are responsible for their outcome from the time they're little. But he didn't do that. Number two, he didn't fall into the time trap. He did not go looking for him. There's no record of him going out hunting his son, trying to find him. He said, hey, he'll come back when he comes back. 
I'm not saying there's not a time when you shouldn't go look for your kids. I'm not saying there's something wrong. in, But in this case, there, there's a time trap you get caught into, a, an addiction where you're, every minute, every day, you're sitting there thinking and dwelling on what you can't control. Moms and dads can both learn from this. It's an absolute trap. You cannot own everything. It's going to take as long as it takes for him or her to get at. You cannot own everything. And this dad doesn't. Number three what I call the resource trap. He did not invest any more money until he came to his senses. See, I don't, I don't know that there's a limit necessarily in what you should invest in your kids because there's no limit in what you want God to invest in you. Parents have this, I'm never going to pay for that. I'm not going to, listen, listen, it costs what it costs. As long as they're trying. This is a guy who did not invest, though, when the kid wasn't trying. He gave him the lump sum. When it goes, it goes. And when he came to his senses... And there's this great place in Luke 15 where it says, and he came to himself. He realized he was wrong, and he came home, and dad spared no expense, restored the money, gave him inheritance back. It was amazing. And fourthly, watch this now. This is what I call the reputation trap. He never, he never allowed the reputation issue to be an issue. You know, he didn't worry about what people thought. He didn't go around saying, well, you know, you're making me look bad, son, in front of the community. He didn't do that. And I've made a vow as a pastor I would never do that to my kids. I've never said that to them. You do what you do. You, who, you are who you are. You, you know, your name is Temple, but you who, you're who you are. I'm not, trying to, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you perfect, and I'm not going to shame you. If, if you do something that is not good, you just did it, we'll work it out and go forward. He didn't fall into those traps. And sometimes we do. Finally, I think it's fascinating that there are four great lessons that we can learn from this guy's life that I thought were profound. Number one, you ready? Family should always be a place, (laughs) I love this, repentant people can go. Family should always be the place repentant people who are willing to change can go. If you are sorry, you should always be able to come home. Families should always be that place. Not the church. Boy, ah, start me with that one. It's not about in some church. It's, it's your house. Can you? Family should be the welcoming place. I'm not against church. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a preacher guy. But I'm just saying families, that's where you should be able to go. Number two, we learned that families should never hold the past of a repentant person's failure over their head. You shouldn't always be talking about it. You'll see that in the, in the younger brother. Because when he came home, the, younger bro- the, oh, I'm sorry, the older brother couldn't, could not forgive him. Families shouldn't be that way. Third, that we learned in this story, that family members should never expect others, watch this now, should never expect that after certain violations to have the same level of, of trust. If you violate things, right, if you do certain things, you have to understand you may have changed um, the trust level in the house. You may have come to a place now where things are very different and they will stay different. They're not going to change back. Some decisions you make, some things you do last longer than you doing it. You might have slapped them and that lasted a few seconds, but now for a few years, you're not going to be as close. And you have to understand that. The prodigal came home not expecting anything. The prodigal came home understanding I've, I've wasted money and embarrassed my family and disrespected my dad and he couldn't change that. Then fourthly, he learned that families should have senior leaders who guide the family through these seasons. You need senior leaders who guide the family through these tough seasons, and that's what this father was. I love it. That's the kind of dad I want to be. 
When it's tough, I want to be there. Luke 15, verse 25, describes this exchange. Now, his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry. And therefore, his father came and pleaded with him. Watch this time. He was angry and he would not go in. His father comes and pleads with him and basically said, hey, you were the guy who uh, brought this guy back and you took him in. And after all he did and wasted the money on women, he went out there and he partied away all of our money. And then you brought him back. And all the time I've been with you, you've never killed a fatty calf for me. You never threw a party for me. And, and watch all the me's. There's a lot of me's in here. Wow, that's not what family should do. What I like is this father stood up to him and said, not so. We're not going to do that. We are not going to do that. That's a real father. Here's a question. What kind of father are you? Are you engaged? Are you challenging your family? Are you leading your family forward? Are you stagnant? If you're not careful, you won't lead your family forward. That's, that, my friend, is what you need to consider doing. You pause, you take a deep breath, and you look, learn from this father. His family wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect, but he made it. Now, there are a lot of things that people ask me as I close this out about fathering that I think are fascinating. A lot of times, you know, you look at this father. He did it right. He showed us how to do it. He loved his kids through it. He said he was lost, and now he's found. Everybody's back together. And I think... I leave this with some questions, uh, two questions in particular that people always ask me about being a dad. One is, what is the toughest part about being a dad? Believe it or not, sometimes it's isolation. Imagine that. Being alone <clears throat> can be a real challenge for a dad. You feel responsible. That's the second challenge. Responsibility. You feel like the weight's on you. Or it should be. If you can't do it all, you know, you feel like your wife's, you know, she kind of, eh, you're not quite the man I thought, you know, I'm kind of disappointed because, you know, it's not what I thought. And then thirdly, sometimes you feel a lack of appreciation. I, you know, I always tell the members of the family, just tell them thank you every now and then, not just on Father's Day. So I appreciate your hard work. I appreciate what you do. Sometimes we take dads for granted. And then lastly, for dads, let me give you a piece of advice. I've often been asked this. What do you do if you feel estranged from your kids? What can you do if things are not like where it needs to be? Just be nice. If you did something wrong, apologize the best you can and then try to be a friend. No, I'm the dad. I ain't going to be no friend. Time out. It really matters. Just show them, show them you care. I have a son. I have a daughter. That I really care about. And I, I care about them in ways that I can only say in a few words, and it doesn't even get close to how I feel. But I've learned something. I've learned it's a two-way street. And I've learned that caring is, is all I can do. They have to care back in me, and they, they work hard at that, and I appreciate it. For some of you, you need to go and talk to your kids, some dads. For some of you kids, don't make today about apologizing for all the flaws. 
just let's start today with something. Wait a minute, Pastor Rick, you said he should apologize to me. Okay, yeah, but today, let's give Dad a pass. Let's just pray for him, love him, and let him feel some value. A lot of men feel isolated. A lot of men feel the weight of responsibility. And a lot of men, what about women? Women, this is not Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. We'll talk about that on Mother's Day. Today, I want you to just for a moment, give a guy a break. For a moment, put your arms around him and tell him you love him. For a moment, let him feel he's important. Well, Pastor Rick, I listened to this whole sermon. You know what I think? First of all, <clears throat> I don't have a man in the house. Okay, uh, so I don't even get this whole thing about fathers. My father, as a matter of fact, was not good, and he wasn't in my life. And I, okay, I get it. I, you know, okay. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I, I get that story. But here's the truth. If you're a single parent, you do the best you can, and God will bless and honor you. He will. I was raised by a single parent. My mom was great. I have no bad childhood memories. That's amazing to say, but that's true. I think your moms can do good. But I want you to notice something for a second. First of all, I want you to put that on the side and notice how we always change subjects when we talk about men. And a man's life and a man's feelings. We got we to gotta always loop it back around. Well, what about my... Well, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you right now. I just, want, I just want you just for a minute to think about your father... And what you can do. Well, he's dead or he's gone. Okay. Well, just for a moment, just put that over there and pray and say, Father, uh, um, whatever my story was, I need to put that over here for a minute. And let me find a good father I can pray for. If, if your story was bad, pray for a father you know that was good. So that a, a guy that's struggling, a man that's trying to get a job or in, this, in, a, cha- in a challenging environment, a challenging economy, he's trying, he's going to work, he's hustling. Pray for him. Find one good man to pray for. And if you can't think of one, pray for God to help you meet one. Help me see a good father somewhere. And, and may that come into your life. Because I'm telling you right now, I, I, fathers need our prayers. And dads, I want you to know something. You're going to make it. I want to pray for you today and believe God for your life. Father, I pray for fathers. I pray for dads. I pray for men on Father's Day. Give them grace, give them hope, and give them confidence. And I give you all the praise and glory for them in Jesus' name. Hey, it's been a joy being with you today on Father's Day. I'm a big Father's Day fan because I'm a dad. I want to encourage you if you're here today, and this is a moment for you where you say, you know, as a dad, I need a change in my life. May this be the moment you say, Lord, come into my life. Let me be the kind of father you want me to be, and let me serve you and be a model for my family. In Jesus' name. Let that prayer be your prayer today. And let it be the beginning of a new life for you. I pray you were blessed by today's message. I pray that it inspired your life and lifted you to a new place. I pray that you would say, Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Let it be for me the beginning of a brand new journey. And let my life never be the same. And also, I want to encourage you, if you want prayer, if you say, Pastor, that is my prayer. I want to put up on the screen here an email. You can email me at Pastor at Overcoming by Faith and say, Pastor, send me some information to help me start my life with Jesus. I want to get my life going in the right direction. I really do. And if you want to, you can also text to this number and we'll respond to you as well to help you get your life started with Christ. I want you to know that God can help you as a dad or a mom get your life going in the right direction.
Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message that we talked about dads. You know, dads have their own testimony. Here's a dad who had a horrible time, a time that was really like a nightmare, but he came through it. And he learned a lot. He taught us a lot. He walked through this process. Some of you are having a hard time with your dad. Some of you are having a hard time as a dad. Wherever you are in that story, look at the story of the prodigal son and learn a lesson about you. Don't waste any more time being angry. Don't waste any more time being frustrated. Take a step back and give yourself a chance to breathe. Families don't always get things right. But in this sermon, you learn today how to get it right. It starts with forgiving each other. It starts with being honest about where you were wrong especially when you are the wrong person, wherever you be, the father or the child, doesn't matter. In this story, everybody can get something that can help them. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment where they find healing and blessing and and redemption. And I pray that they would rise above whatever happened to them and know that you have their future in your hand. Bless every dad and bless every child who's been affected by a dad. And I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for being with us today. It's always a joy to have you with us. I hope you get to tune in next time. If you like the message, link it and send it to a friend and say you need to hear this message. It'd be good to inspire a dad with this word. So that might be your Father's Day gift to somebody. Have a great day. I'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Ray. Bye-bye.